Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Hina Wasim. Dr. Wasim is a resident physician and neurologist. She is currently at the Department of Leadership and Preventative Medicine at Dartmouth. She is also an instructor of neurology, and she's also currently a master's in public health student at Dartmouth. Now, Dr. Wasim did her undergraduate work at the University of Florida. She went to medical school at the University of South Florida, and, you know, through the course of time. She's done a lot of research. She's well recognized with scholarships and honors for that research. And she's also over this past previous year of a pandemic or one that we're currently in, she's done quite a bit of interesting work at the Leadership and Preventative Medicine residency that she's currently in, um, including things like being a co-author for New Hampshire's Crisis Standards of Care for the state. She was an advisor and currently is for the Vaccine Hesitancy Project. And she also is helping to work on some population health improvement projects. And Dr. Wasim, I'm so happy happy to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, fantastic. Well, why don't we get started? I always like to start on inspiring women with what are you doing right now? What is your day-to-day job, career, studies look like? Well, actually, I just graduated from the Leadership and Preventive Medicine Program. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you so much. It just happened less than a week ago. So, and I finished up my master's in public health as well. So just wrapping all these things up and working uh, with the state right now on vaccine programs and wrapping up some manuscripts and projects. Well, that's a lot of effort. And again, congratulations. That's just so wonderful. I mean, these programs all happen so differently during the course of the pandemic. And I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. But why don't you just tell, like, what drew you to medicine? How did that begin for you? Were you the type of person that knew at a very early age that you wanted to go into medicine? What what, what were the things that brought you there? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey to medicine really started pretty early. Um, My family moved around a lot when I was younger and were originally from Pakistan. And so I grew up a certain amount of time there when I was younger and just living in a very large city with a lot of poverty and lack of access to just basic needs really drew me to, to healthcare and, and medicine. So very early on, I, I had this interest in uh, becoming a physician, but also in public health. And do you come from a family of physicians? Do you come from a family of public health or was it just the interest based on your surroundings? Yeah, so I have one uncle from a very long time ago who was a physician in Pakistan, but has subsequently passed away. So no one in my direct family is involved in healthcare at all, actually. 
Mm -hmm. So you're one of a first sort of, you know, doctor perhaps in, in the family, which is always pretty wonderful and a proud thing, I'm certain, for your family. What then became your interest in neurology? So everyone specializes and, and then public health is now your new master's degree. What then drew those additional um, areas of interest for you? Yeah, so I majored in neurosciences in, in college and always was drawn to the brain. But ironically, neurology was completely accidental and was not on my radar at all. I was actually going to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, through a series of really unexpected events, I ended up in neurology and have loved it since. Okay, so I'm talking to a was going to be a brain surgeon, but is now currently doing neurology. Um, so I think we all know that the path to medicine, the path to being a physician is one that takes an enormous amount of effort, an enormous amount of smarts, and is also quite competitive. So since you didn't come from a family of physicians that were drawing you there, who were the types of people that helped you along the way? Did you have um, mentors that helped guide you? And also maybe, you know, just because you started in Pakistan, when did you come to the United States to start beginning your studies? So we moved to the U.S. intermittently, um, back and forth a few different times, but we finally came to stay when I was in late elementary school. So coming here, I did mo majority of my education in the U.S., and, you know, I'm trying to think about my earliest mentors. I think one of my high school AP biology teacher was the first one to really inspire me to, to the sciences in general um, and just gave me so many opportunities to do academics very early on um, in high school with teaching and going to like international science fair. Um, so she's kind of the spark that really started everything um, and was just a wonderful, wonderful teacher and mentor. And, you know, after that, I think in college, my PI was another one. She was an MD, PhD, and I worked in her neuroscience lab, and she was wonderful. But when I, when I started medical school to residency, I think I had one of my first mentors that I, I still keep in touch with now, who was um, a neurosurgeon, and he is wonderful and has been one of the, the first mentors I can think of that I still keep in touch with and has really helped guide me through a lot of academic challenges that I was dealing with in residency when I was pursuing neurosurgery, for example, but had many mentors since then as well. <laughs> Yeah, and Hina, you know what, when I speak to younger women, the interest in mentors, it seems, what I hear often is that younger women seem to have this understanding that they need mentors, that they seek them out. Certainly, I did it differently. You know, I certainly had people along the way, but I didn't, I didn't personally seek them out. Did you, are, the, are those mentors who have helped you, were they ones that just you happen to have a relationship with, or did you actively seek? out people to help guide you and to sort through different, whether it's challenges or things to focus on? Yeah, totally. I think this is such a good question because so early on, I didn't really understand the idea of mentorship per se. I, I wasn't really pursuing it. And since then, I've realized that there's many different kinds of mentors and they can kind of focus on different angles of your, of your life <laughs> or your career or um, your pursuits. So a lot of my mentorship came up organically. I wasn't searching for anybody until I encountered some of my first setbacks and challenges in medicine. 
and realized that um, getting a second take might be really helpful. And so from then, I realized that there was some importance to having mentorship. And as I continued on after having a lot of male mentors, to be honest, early on, especially in neurosurgery, I started realizing as I was doing residency that I was starting to face different types of more nuanced challenges that I felt that I wanted to reach out to more female mentorship or guidance around how to how to deal with certain situations or manage certain challenges. And that was when I think I started realizing that it's a good idea to have different kinds of mentorship. You know, sometimes with academics or projects or publications you're working on, and then career advice, and then even like focusing on work-life balance with mentors that might have similar similar values. So For me, I think it's been a mixture of both. A lot of my early mentorship was just organic, whoever was around me or um, I was working on projects with. And then now much more, I've started seeking out certain mentorship with a specific intent, I guess. Okay. Well, let's talk about maybe some of those nuanced challenges. I mean, as a physician, you're not just um, a neurologist. You also are female. Now, there are also many more female physicians today than um, ones much older than you. And there are not perhaps as many Muslim um, physicians as perhaps um, as the same as the population of the nation. So maybe talk about some of those nuanced challenges that you faced and um, how they express themselves and how you dealt with them. When I started in medicine, I didn't really buy in or believe that there was differences between gender treatment, for example, um, when practicing medicine, I just thought you worked hard and it was merit-based and you know, very idealistic in some ways. And then kind of coming to face the challenges of working in complex teams, um, working with different power dynamics, different hierarchies, and trying to be able to present yourself and work with others in a very professional way, but also being able to obtain equal respect as other members of your team and um, getting uh, recognized for the work and effort you're putting in just like any other team member. So I think that it evolves, especially like as an intern and then as a chief resident and now someone who is done with training um, to some degree, I think each step comes with different challenges of interaction and managing the different hierarchies of who's above you and who's below you and making compromise. So I think those are challenges that I think might be more difficult when you're female in some situations where you have to really find a balance and be able to eloquently express yourself during these awkward and uncomfortable situations that happen in medicine all the time. They do happen all the time. And I think that, first of all, the studies back you up, that there are different challenges um, for females um, in pretty much every career progression. So those those beliefs of what you can do as an individual, they're really important to hold on to, but the, stu- the studies back you up. So with that kind of awareness um, about whether it's power dynamic, not being heard um, the way that you intend, how 
when you recognize them, how do you deal with them in the moment? And I think it's a very common thing for women at any stage of their career to be in those situations. But um, there's a lot of, you know, boy, if I could have a do-over or, you know, once you recognize them, do you have different things that you do to navigate how to deal with a, a situation you're in? Yeah, absolutely. So this is this is part of where the women in negotiation group kind of became ex- inspired. But um, early on, I, I remember when I was an early resident, just being shocked really <laughs> at these interactions and not knowing what to do at all, just being kind of speechless in some ways. But as time has gone on, I've kind of come up with a better approach. <laughs> and a lot of it comes down to uh, pausing and taking a pause and reevaluating the situation. And I think that's really benefited me in not jumping to conclusions or making assumptions or trying to rectify any kind of challenging situation immediately. And it's hard because medicine is so fast paced. I think that as residents, we always feel like we can't take that pause. Like we got to go, 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 answer a page or do the next thing. But Sometimes just pausing a situation and coming back to it when you are a little bit put together yourself or the other party is a little bit more calm as well has has been very beneficial and also to reevaluate the situation um, and look back at it from a more calmer vantage point. So Hina, give it, give us an example. Give us an example of some some situation that you've been in where you feel well, maybe it's a power dynamics uh, example where you feel that you're not being recognized because of a power dynamic where you took a pause and you're able to navigate through that in a way that you felt was successful for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is something that many residents deal with is you know, a power dynamic between your attending physician and then managing multiple, perhaps interns or medical students. So having an example where perhaps a patient is crashing in front of you or something acute is going on and the team is just not functioning how it needs to be. You're not able to get the help you need or um, communicate to your higher ups about what it needs to get done in a timely manner, for example. I think that might be a situation that I approach a little differently now, whereas before I might end up just being shocked or very anxious or, or really not know how to communicate my needs. I think now I would approach it a little differently where having to take that pause for, you know, just take a few deep breaths or whatever I need to do to just kind of just pause in that moment. And then doing what needs to get done for patient care first and foremost, and really being able to put the rest of the social dynamics in the back burner for that moment and recognizing that we can deal with that later. But first and foremost is managing the situation that's at hand within the healthcare system. And then after that has been stabilized, having those discussions with your team in a calmer, uh, less urgent manner, like, you know, a few days later, a week later, or whatever it is that needs to be done when you have time and being able to communicate how that interaction went and how it might have made you feel or how um, certain needs might not have been met for your team, not just you, but maybe the medical student or the intern or, or the APP, whoever was else there, and kind of 
being able to be more open and honest outside of that urgent situation, I think is been really beneficial um, and takes time and practice. Well, and effort, right? And so in, in medicine, team-based care is the tendency, you know, for how um, interactions go with patients. So that sounds excellent. Um, it also sounds like it takes effort to make those um, types of very good practices happen. Now, Hini, you started this women um, and negotiation group at Dartmouth. So I'd love to hear more about that. Why did you start it? What is it? Um, what do you do with that group? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm so excited to talk about this because this this came out of kind of what I was just talking about with these scenarios. Um, so it really came out of me encountering difficult or challenging situations or conversations that take a lot of effort to navigate. And what I would do when I was a resident, it, I would realize that they were challenging situations or uncomfortable conversations that I did not want to have but I knew I needed to do them. And I would try to practice them out with my husband. And uh, it was not effective at all. <laughs> it was not helpful. He was being great, but I just, I couldn't get that same feeling. He's not in medicine. He, he, he can listen to my challenges, but he, he might not understand what it feels like to work in a hospital and that kind of high level urgency. So what actually... I really wanted was to come out of these situations knowing that did I handle them correctly? Um, could they have gone as well as um, they could have? And so I met a wonderful mentor, uh, Nan Cochran. And so she's a physician here and she's really focused on communication and negotiation, especially for women. And so I met her during my MPH and she became a very close mentor to me because I would go to her and bounce ideas off of her. Like, hey, this challenging situation came up. This is what I'm thinking of doing. Can we practice this scenario out? What do you think I should do? And that's when I started talking to other fellow physicians um, who had kind of gone through residency and uh, leadership and preventive medicine was their second residency. And they were like, oh yeah, I've seen that, been there, done that. And I realized I wanted to build a way to like a forum for us to share the knowledge um, that I was gaining from Nan and just sharing the stories that we were all encountering um, during our medical careers and figuring out a way to talk about them and how to respond to them using role play and discussions in like a very safe environment and really be able to develop um, skills through practice in this safe environment that we could then go out and do these challenging conversations. And once I started it, it was just an outpouring of so many stories from so many women dealing with the same things I'd been dealing with. And, and it, was, it was really wonderful to find a place where we could share and, and practice. <laughs> So how many, how many women do you have um, in this group? Was this just a like, hey, I'm starting this? I mean, just a little bit more about how you kick this off. Yeah, absolutely. So started this about a year and a half ago and, and right in the middle of the pandemic, actually. <laughs> um, like our first meeting was right before COVID got really intense. Uh, so it's ranged from about six to 12 women. Uh, depending on the day of the meeting. And it's been relatively small because we've kept it to the leadership and preventive medicine uh, group of females at this point, really to just keep it a safe place and to test it out. 
and see what women like about the group, what we can improve. And yeah, it's been a pretty small, small group of women. I think these groups are, um, first of all, this just sounds fantastic. Congratulations to you on forming it, because I find that, you know, women really do appreciate sounding boards and um, being, you said, having a safe space because um, many women deal with things like self-doubt or did I handle this the right way? And and also perhaps, um, you know, bouts of not being as confident as they want to be in a certain situation. So creating an environment to air that and get guidance and advice from others in a supportive way is so very, very helpful. And I love how you started this in a very small way. Um, It's not at all a surprise to me how engaged people must be in um, something like this. And that's just wonderful. I hope that there are many other um, types of women who can um, benefit from those types of programs or create their own. So just just wonderful. You must be feel really proud about that work. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Hina, about just other work that you've done. We are in a pandemic. You had to do your, you're doing your residency, had to do your uh, master's program um, in a very, very different way. I understand that you got involved in some pretty large projects um, in a crisis mode. Could you speak to a couple of those? Yeah, absolutely. So getting my master's in public health during a pandemic was a very unique experience, (laughs) watching it actually play out in real life um, and to be able to really apply what we were learning in real time. So thankfully, through this leadership and preventive medicine program, we have a lot of alum um, throughout the country. And Uh, One of them works as a state epidemiologist in New Hampshire, and as well as other people that uh, also work in the New Hampshire Department of Health and Human Services that were LPN alum. And so these through these connections, um, a group of us were able to actually work on the New Hampshire crisis standards of care in the middle of the pandemic while the crisis was literally happening. And we were able to help create the framework. And it was just an amazing experience to work with so many collaborators and see all these stakeholders and how, um, even in such a small state as New Hampshire, all the different forces that have to be balanced when creating um, these large guideline documents. And so it was just such an honor to be involved in, in that project. And then more recently in the New Hampshire Department of Health and Human Services, I've been working on vaccine site clinics and uh, again with another group of wonderful LPM uh, colleagues and uh, working on how we can increase throughput at our vaccination sites and uh, the lessons we've learned during this pandemic um, at the state level. And they've just been invaluable experiences to, to my public health knowledge. Well, those, um, you know, look, this pandemic has taken such a toll on all of us, but in these moments of crisis that you have turned those into opportunities to really help and impact um, people is wonderful. And I'm certain going to be long lasting lessons that you can bring forward um, into your future career. Um, Dr. Wasim, this has really been a great conversation. And I have loved hearing about your work. As we close out on inspiring women and know that there are many younger women um, who are early stage in their careers, as well as um, people uh, at more advanced, what sort of closing thoughts or advice do you want to leave with listeners today? You know, Gosh, there's so many things. <laughs> um, I think as a resident 
and now starting off into fellowship soon. As a female physician, it's just there's so much happening. And I, I think reaching out and not having the courage to share your stories with others, I think has been one of the most invaluable experiences I've had. Um, it, it's very hard to share uncomfortable challenges and situations you've gone through. And reaching out and finding a network of women who've gone through the same thing was one of the best experiences I've had through residency and training is to, to know that there are other people who are just going through the same things that I felt so isolated and alone, thinking that it was just me, something, something was wrong with me. And so I think reaching out, finding mentors and sharing your stories to get a sounding board in a safe environment, I think is, has been one of the most valuable experiences I've had so far in, in my training um, and being a female in medicine. So I think that would be one of the more important lessons I'd like to share. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think you gave a really great outline of how to just go and do it and make it happen. And that I think is going to be really helpful for so many other women who feel sometimes that they're alone, but yet there are others out there who are just like them. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Dr. Hina Wasim and Dr. Wasim, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.